Welcome to the School Business Leadership Podcast. Today, I am joined by not one, but two SBLs, and we are talking all things in-house payroll. If moving from an external payroll provider to an in-house service is something you've been considering, then this episode is for you. We talk about the why, the how, and the when, as well as exactly what you need to do to ensure you get it right. Let's dive in. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Tracy Jane Higgin and Lisa Blatchford. Tracy is the Chief Finance Officer for Viking Academy Trust, a three primary school mat. She's worked for many years in schools as a school business manager and comes with a wealth of knowledge and experience. And she started her role in her current trust in 2018. Lisa is the Chief Operations Officer for Viking Academy Trust, working closely alongside Tracy. She worked previously as a school business manager for one of the schools within the trust before making the leap to COO. When Tracy and Lisa met in July 2018, Tracy had only been in her role for four months and Lisa had returned to a brand new role from being on maternity. And over the last three years, they have managed to not only forge a great working relationship, but also a great friendship. They also recognise there is so much to do with raising the profile of school business leaders and hope to inspire and empower others to seek the very best education outcomes for the children they are privileged to support by providing an efficient and effective business service. Today, Tracy and Lisa join me to talk about their experiences from moving from an outsourced payroll provider to an in-house service from scratch. Welcome, Tracy and Lisa. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. It's so good to have you and in-house payroll. I think a lot of people listening might go, oh, I can't even begin to think how that would feel, where to start. It sounds like a big headache, but you're going to kind of put all that to bed, aren't you? We're going to try. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It sounds so scary, but it really isn't. If you've got that can-do attitude, yeah, anything's possible. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's been quite a long journey for us. And when we look back, it was quite quite a lot to cover and quite a lot to learn, but it was really enjoyable. And like Lisa says, it was that can-do attitude and the, and the want to improve what we had that got us to where we are now when we've just literally ran now 26 yeah 26 payroll in-house wow really good okay so the best place to probably start is at the beginning first of all what made you consider doing this because it isn't a small task by any stretch is it you know it's a big project to take on so what kind of compelled you to go down this road I guess the the big impetus for change came from the fact that we had so many issues with our payroll provider. So Mm. um, like many schools, we outsourced the provision, our HR and payroll service. And you would think with doing that, you would get an A-class service as a result. But unfortunately, um, we were really quite unlucky. And we had a whole host of issues on a monthly basis that we would have to kind of pick up the mess from and speak with our colleagues about. And we just felt like, do you know what? We could do this so much better. Um, Mm. You know, our employees deserve the world um, and they work so hard and they deserve to be paid correctly for it. And unfortunately we couldn't put our hand on our hearts to say that that was happening. So for us, we were like, we've got this kind of sentiment that we say quite often um we ain't having it (laughs) and uh, and with that we were like we ain't having this you know we we were just so fed up with it you know it was just ridiculous so we're like we we can do this ourselves and it was really kind of um a journey that we set ourselves on to kind of 
you know, look into the world of the payroll profession and um, look at what training that we could have, because neither of us come from a payroll background. You know, um, we are completely novice in in that sense, aren't we? Well, we'd only ever done the administration behind the outsource provision, really. So you'd get those reports and put them on the finance system and kind of reconcile them to your budgets. But the background work of working out pensions and all those stoppages and paying teachers pensions, all of that was alien to us at the time, wasn't it? Exactly. Can I just ask though, I'm listening to you and it makes absolute sense, but there is still that step in the middle. People might be listening and thinking, okay, so you weren't happy with your provider. Why not just go to another provider? Well, that we did have three options. So when we knew that what we were getting was really quite awful and point we just had a, a member of staff, £5,000 £5, overpaid, despite wow. us kind of confirming the pre-check the day before so she'd still been overpaid and we was just we've had enough now of our time um going into this so we looked at our options and one was to go to another payroll provider um mm-hmm. but Lisa and I both worked in finance um in school uh, for long enough to know that they're probably all pretty much of a much and we were with what was deemed to be probably one of the better ones so mm. that option didn't really seem on the table for us no. The, the other thing we looked at wasn't it our auditors they yeah. they do an in-house themselves for their clients so that was one of the things we considered is should we get our auditors to take us on as part of their service and actually when we explored that with our auditors they said to be honest you could do it yourself yeah um, right. and recommended the the software that they use as a way of kind of almost some support in between because we'd be doing it ourselves, but they equally use the software that we would maybe use. So that yeah. was kind yeah. of a bit of a compromise for us and almost something that was quite an attractive compromise to yeah. completely sort of going out there alone. So we did always know, didn't we? We had them in the background to support if we needed. Um, and we had their backing and their blessing, really. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the main thing for us is that it wasn't suddenly that we decided actually we would bring this in-house. We run it as a proper procurement process. So we considered Mm. our options, whether, you know, it would be more affordable to do, perhaps move it to another payroll provider, or would it be more affordable to bring it in-house? When you look at the free options side by side, actually, you start to look at, at what can actually be possible. And for us, you know, there was a huge savings to be had. And it was kind of, it ended up being a no-brainer. It wasn't just savings in terms of the physical um, costs of the software versus the outsource provision, but it was also something that you couldn't really measure that easily was the amount of time that we were spending um, checking everything they were doing and then checking it again, unpicking the problems, pacifying staff. Staff particularly, Um, I had one member of staff say to me, you are the reason why I I am experiencing financial difficulty this month. Oh, my God. Exactly. So you're, you know, us as the school business leaders are having those conversations. They don't actually see from their perspective that actually that there is someone in the background kind of running things that haven't got the same level of care or, or or consideration for their financial background so of course because we know our staff you know we know the ones that are particularly um, affected by problems with their pay but 
let's be honest and, and be clear that actually no one should experience problems with their pay. You know, we all come mm. to work to be paid. And, 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 and unfortunately, that we couldn't hand on heart say that that, that was happening through our payroll mm. provider. So it wasn't just a pure bottom line exercise, you know, it's cheaper to bring it in house. The benefits, like you say, were immeasurable in many ways, but made it even more worth it. Yeah, definitely. It's it's those employee relations as well that we wanted to work on and and have that kind of sense of satisfaction ourselves that we were delivering to them what they were entitled to every month. And and actually was hoping, and that has absolutely been the case, that the impact on us in terms of our time was going to be beneficial to us too, which, I mean, it really has now. Oh, God, it? exactly. You know, we've, we've found that even by bringing it in-house, we've, we've factored in so many time savings as a result mm. because you're not picking up the slack from, you know, a, a dodgy payroll provider. Yeah. yeah, and we've got systems in place that just do the work almost for us. We've got really tight systems. So, you know, fast forward two years, we're in a position now where we can run payroll in in the matter of a couple of hours, really, which seemed a a really strange concept at the beginning. When we first started the journey, we thought we'd be payroll to payroll and never ever stop. Yeah, but but it really isn't like that. You know, you obviously have the front end, which is all the HR changes, that you need to consider of, of every month. Then there's a bit in the middle where you do the cross-checking. And then there's a bit at the end, which is the finance and the reporting and all of the payroll submissions that you have to make. And then eventually, obviously, paying staff. But we've run payroll, actually. You know, that's... Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and even to the point where, you know, there's so much flexibility. You know, sometimes we were kind of governed by very odd time scales in terms of getting HR changes to our payroll provider for them to action it and then for it mm. to then appear in their pay. And sometimes it could be like a month out of date. And actually we now have the flexibility to make crucial changes to our staff's pay kind of one or two days prior to the actual payday. So, mm. you know, to have that flexibility and to be able to put a hold on anything that perhaps could be wrong with someone's pay we have the power to do that. And, and I think that that is a really great mm. place to be. Can I ask how many staff you've got? Oh, 180 approximately, yeah. isn't it now? Yeah, free So sport. it's a sizable amount then? It is a sizable amount. And, and we, yeah, we, we, and we've got free schools. And some of the data is reported at school level and some of it is reported at trust level. But again, mm. the systems just work. What we've developed over the two years uh, just works and we're always looking to improve it I mean every month we find a way of, of doing it a little bit better a little tuning. bit yeah definitely and it's 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 been a, a it's been an enjoyable journey we've learned so much but we've actually really enjoyed it and we've oh, had totally had quite a lot of fun in times oh, yeah, as well with exactly. it as well we? yeah and, some funny funny things that have happened where we've been comparing exactly the same report and it's been you know not realise we're like wow we're a hundred percent matching and then realise we're both <laughs> cross referencing the same report. It's um, yeah, it, we've had those moments where we just think, oh my goodness, what are we doing? But actually, as we said earlier, it's so deeply satisfying when you know that you're walking into a building the next day after payday and everyone has been paid exactly what they expect to be paid and. 
you know, not just with the 180 staff that we have working for the trust, we equally have staff that have multiple contracts. And, mm. and I think that that is an extra complexity, area of complexity yeah. within our um, within our payroll system that we're having to manage that and and put, I guess, with our pension returns and things like that, ensuring that each of their contracts are adequately kind of in terms of pension, in, yeah. yeah, kind of adequately kind of topped up where they and and the funds are allocated to exactly where they should be. And I think that that's that's one of the big journeys and one of the big messages that I guess that I really want to convey that our staff as long as you have that understanding with your staff and know what they should be returning in terms of their pay you know the complexities in terms of their multiple contracts you know exactly the ins and outs in terms of your contractual maternity pay elements you know as long as you have that deep understanding then anything is possible you don't need to be a payroll professional to pull this off and and that's not to suggest that i'm minimizing the payroll profession but i think that school business leaders are in a really strong position because they they know their staff um data wise inside out you know whether it's dealing with them on the management information system whether it's putting their details within the budget system you kind of get a keen idea in terms of what you should be returning and what they should be paid each month and so that puts us you know, as a profession in a really strong position to kind of pull off an accurate payroll service. So in terms of the process itself, people might be listening thinking, wow, this sounds amazing. And you might have got to a point now where it's all done and dusted in half a day, couple of hours even. But obviously, there's a lot of investment at the front end, isn't it, in terms of getting this system set up. So for those people who are listening and thinking, "Mm, okay, I'm not still sure if it's for me. Where do people start? How do they get that knowledge? You know, how do they start off on the journey? Well, I mean, we accessed quite a few different areas of support in terms of payroll legislation and some guidance like the HMRC is really, really useful. CIPP, um, it's really cheap to become a member. They've got a whole wealth of knowledge there. Obviously, we was we had the benefit of our auditors who run a payroll service. So mm-hmm. um, we had those to kind of pick their brains. But the software that we decided to go for, they equally had the support for us there as well in terms of kind of how we set them up, what we're looking for. And I think you'd be surprised how much you actually already know if you've been working in a school, even if you're not been a school business leader all of your school career, but certainly working within finance or HR, because Lisa and I both come from those separate backgrounds. Together, we we had a, quite a lot of base knowledge anyway, didn't we? Yeah, that's it. And and the biggest thing I would say as well is networking. Mm. So it's reaching out to your fellow um, SBL network. So for us, you know, we uh, reached out to another multi-academy trust who had done exactly the same as us. And but they they were about a year into the process. So they'd kind of successfully pulled that off. So we were able to kind of seek the benefit of their advice and and their experience. And Mm. as a result, you know, we had that support at the very beginning. And I think that that's where, you know, the, the world of school business leadership is quite unique, is that we're all kind of of a like mindedness where, you know, we want to support. So you know, we reached out to them equally, we reached out to others during that process. And it's kind of, 
I guess for us, we're not in isolation. You know, we were never running a process in isolation. And equally, you know, it's almost like passing a baton. You know, there is, um, we did exactly the same with another um, trust who recently did did the same thing. They brought in-house payroll into their school um, as a result of having an awful service elsewhere. And it was through our conversations that we were able to encourage this particular school to do the same. And now they're a year into their service and doing she, she wouldn't look back. Exactly. Look back doing and... exactly the same, you know, um, running a very successful payroll service. Their employees are happy. And, you know, and, and again, hopefully this will be um, a, another base where we can pass the baton on to another school. <laughs> Yeah, and we'd always like to support and offer assistance, wouldn't we? As oh, well. exactly. Share, share what we've been through. I mean, some things we've learned from, we know, you know, if we had our time again, certain things that we would maybe look at doing slightly differently, certain things about the software that it doesn't do as well as we would like. But um, then that's benefit yeah. of experience yeah. until you kind of embrace that and, and have that kind of self-confidence and belief within yourself, Then then you won't experience those new different situations and and I guess as well for us we were really lucky to have the full backing of our trust board and the trust leadership team for our for our trust because you know without them and their belief in us then it it would have been really tricky to pull such a such a big project off yeah, I was going to ask that in terms of obviously you've got the the network and those organizations that can provide you with the knowledge and support for the technical side of it. But obviously, you know, this is an internal payroll function. It requires the support of the governors and the senior leaders and you know other people within your trust. How did you go about that? How did you put that business case forward? Obviously, I know you did your research first, but how did you take it to them and say, this is something we need to do? So we um, built a really robust payroll proposal. It's funny because we recently looked at it and it was so in-depth. So we we looked at the rationale of, of why we, we did so. We also looked at it as a procurement opportunity. So actually, rather than thinking, you know, yes, in our head, we might prefer to do it in one way. Actually, what are the options on the table? So it's looking at it in almost like a 360 approach. So um, we we obviously built our rationale of why we were doing so. We looked at the options available to us. And actually, then as a result, with all that decision and, and the, the planning and, and research, it, it was very obvious to us that the only way forward was to bring it in-house. So once we had decided upon our kind of direction, it was then looking at it from a, a, a risk analysis point of view. So actually, what does this mean to the trust? What are our greatest areas of risk? And how can we combat that? Because obviously, it's a humongous uh, responsibility. You know, you want to be putting all the measures under the sun in place to ensure that your staff continue to be paid, regardless of who's at the helm, kind of pushing that forward. So Mm -hmm. we looked at what would happen if we were ever absent, you know, what's our plan in terms of succession planning? You know, it was just so very in-depth. We also looked at it uh, from a kind of SWOT analysis point of view. So we we looked at kind of what would be the strengths of running such a service, um, what are the biggest threats, obviously staff absence and things like that. 
been the biggest thing, you know, and, and also looked at the opportunity that bringing an in-house payroll service would provide, you know, and, and, and it has just been so positive. And, and it got to the point where we explored every possible um, scenario of worst case, best case situations that could arise. And, you know, it got to the point where we actually felt so confident, didn't we, we in did, our approach? Yeah. I mean, the proposal, we took it to the board, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. 14-page document that we wrote really thoroughly, covered everything we could think of, that they might ask, really. And that's, for me, I'd say the main thing, kind Is of being accountable yeah. to the board. They're going to ask questions. You know they're going to. They're going to need to cover risk. So we went armed with everything and in yeah. fact we probably was overarmed in the totally. end because we a lot of the questions we thought they were going to ask they, they actually didn't but equally they trusted us as well I guess we had the passion to exactly pull it deliver off. it pull it off and um, I think that's it's you have to want to do this hmm. you know and I have to believe that in you what you exactly hmm. and thankfully you know our trust uh, leadership and, and trust board thought that they we could as well so um and and here we are kind of 26 payroll payrolls in and we've we've done it yeah we've just had an audit actually for our payroll so we obviously with covid audits have been a little little bit um haphazard but the one that we've just had two weeks ago was a specific deep dive into payroll the board wanted to make sure that we were obviously delivering the service we'd promised and the evidence is there that we were but We've had that rubber stamped now um, oh, with audit. They were able to um, come in and do a real deep dive into the payroll provision that we provide here at the trust. And there were no queries found, nothing noted, um, not even any recommendations. No, um, full assurance. Clean, full assurance, clean report. So that really, for us, um, we're really proud of that because oh, that's totally. from conception to today. We've kind of proved that the ser- the service is running in the way that we think it think it was and that set our standards really high now to continue on that journey and and yeah and carry on just making it better and definitely empowering others to go on the same journey as we have because the benefits are just for, for lots of school business leaders they're probably really struggling with payroll providers as as we have and if they're not then they're really I would say quite rare and lucky if they've got a good provider um, but for those that haven't there are options out of it and yeah, we just want to really try and encourage people to just, even if it's just to ask questions and consider it, if it's something that they possibly would like to explore, but not sure where to start. It's worth a conversation. It's worth a discussion. Yeah. And it's just not accepting that status quo, you know, not accepting problems just because that, you know, they're a large payroll provider and thinking, well, actually, that's okay. You know, mistakes happen. Actually, no, it's, it's about that we ain't having it. You know, we're not going to accept issues and carelessness. You know, actually, if we can kind of put things under our control, then then actually there's only us as, as I guess, in fault. Mm. You know, if, if, if something goes wrong, then it's us that are the problem. And, um, and rather than relying on someone else that perhaps doesn't care quite in the same way as, as we do. I mean, it's amazing the the validation from that audit as well. Like you say, it rubber stamps everything that you've done. It's proven your concept and it's proven that everything that you've implemented has been successful and probably beyond successful in your eyes, considering where you've come from. 
Yeah, definitely. And the other thing that we also um, have done as we've been on the payroll journey, which has almost happened by, I wouldn't say by accident, but was almost forced upon us with the whole pandemic, is that the service is now completely paperless. A lot Mm. of that was obviously with us not all being able to work together and bits of paper being moved around and signed. But equally from a GDPR point of view as well, gone are the days where we have overtime forms and and contracts on desks needing signing or they've forgotten to bring them in or they've lost them or they've got coffee on them. Um, we do everything electronically now. We've created a system where it's all on key survey. Everything goes through those um, lines of authorization. And that was another thing that we really wanted to get the auditors to test was that the not only was the payroll service compliant, but also by going through the paperless route of doing so that we were still getting Mm. the right levels of authorization especially as Lisa and I are obviously involved in payroll and we are on the payroll it was making sure you know that we are absolutely protecting ourselves and that neither of us are vulnerable Um, and and again the rubber stamp was there from audit point of view for the paperless system as well as the actual payroll function itself yeah Exactly. And I think that as well, you know, there's that little bit of, I guess, in some respects, imposter syndrome, because because neither Tracy or I have professional qualifications in payroll. There was that little bit of us that you just never know, do you? You never know if you've covered everything. And as much as we threw ourselves at every source of information that was at our fingertips in terms of increasing our knowledge and skills, there's always that bit of us that, you know, are we doing exactly what we need to be doing? Are, do we know everything that we need to know? Are we on top of, you know, our game in that respect? And and then to have that deep dive audit, which really was, I have to say, one of the most intense audits that it I've ever experienced really in my life. Yeah. Yeah. To, to then have that full assurance come back and to say that there were no recommendations and that she was actually impressed was as you say such a validation mm. to our service and that kind of imposter syndrome kind of was smothered in the background by way of the result so um it was really positive wasn't it, was. it it was really good so hopefully people are sitting there thinking all right then I'm I'm sold so, <laughs> so how much time is it going to take so we, you put this plan together you said it was a, a 14 page proposal for your governors and your board how long did it take you from them saying yes to implementation and running that first payroll? So I guess um, we were very clear in terms of our timeline. So we put our proposal together in the September and it then made sense that we went live on the 1st of April. So it's in line with the new financial year. So mm. it, it just, it was a perfect point really. So we gave ourselves kind of, uh, I guess, kind of six to seven months in order to kind of get all of our yeah yeah. all of our kind of things aligned and also that would allow us to kind of go through a a bit of a journey in terms of learning the system that we would ultimately be working with so we undertook some training but also we kind of looked at our gaps in knowledge and took that kind of time that we were going through the implementation stage to kind of kind of bridge those gaps. So we were kind of reading up on HMRC. Um, we were looking at policies, some of our internal policies, making sure that, you know, we were gathering all of the kind of skills and knowledge in order to push the process forward. And it was really kind of 
it, it was a it was a nice set of time, I guess. Like, it was because the the actual software providers that we chose did say to us January will be plenty of time. But what we have mm. to remember, and, and like many people that may be considering this journey, is that your normal job still goes on mm. in the background. Certainly for me, we had year end coming up, or we was in the middle of a year end. Obviously, April's a busy time anyway for some schools. That's perhaps when they do their pay increases. So there's lots of other things that are going on. And what you don't want to do is is set yourself such too small a time scale where you do then struggle to pull it off. So we mm. we went on this sort of on the side of caution, didn't totally. we? And then said no, let's start earlier than we've been advised, as Being in kind September. To ourselves, I yeah. guess. So yeah. that we could so that our our kind of day jobs, if you like, weren't affected by the additional pressure we'd put on ourselves. And I mean, it was additional pressure for a while. We were learning lots and we were finding out how it was going to work. And, you know, we wanted to write the procedures, but you couldn't write the procedures until you really knew what you were doing. So that was all kind of back to front. And it was a little bit at the time, probably. I'd say there were moments when we were like, wow, this is big. But giving ourselves that extra time just made it so much more manageable than it would have been if we'd have perhaps taken the advice of the software company who were happy to kind of take us on in January, um, ready Mm. to go live in April. And the other thing I'd always advise as well, which worked really, really well for us, is we did a parallel, two parallel runs. So um, although we went live in April, we, we actually ran February and March parallel to our actual existing provider at the time so that we could then unpick any of the differences. Um, and again, right. that was a huge learning curve for us. And that's where we probably learned the most. And, and often we were actually correct and they were wrong, which oh, was absolutely. quite interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. And we also did a penny drop, we called it. So we we were so worried about the um, pay going into people's bank accounts on the, on the 25th of April that we did a penny drop. So we literally ran a payroll for one P for everybody just to check. I like it. Well, it just gave us that absolute reassurance that everybody's bank details that we'd sort of pumped into our new system was correct. Mm. And although we double checked it, human error, you know, we we literally done all that we could. It's like, no, let's just do it's going to cost us like one pounds eighty and a bit of time. <laughs> but we did it and we picked one person up in that yeah. that we wouldn't have realized. So that was a really good exercise because that one person potentially wouldn't have got paid. So that was a really good thing to do. So it's all those little things. It just gave us that time to just kind we of see it through. We were able to build into it, weren't yeah. we? And that, yeah, and on the actual day of the actual um, first live payroll, we um, we were on the phone at 3 a.m. in the morning panicking. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is just it now. And it was so nervous. And Lisa was a bit more apprehensive about things, weren't you? Oh, and I was just so in such a state of anxiety. You know, I just kept imagining walking through the gates at one of our schools to face like a, a barrage of abuse from our staff <laughs> when we'd got it wrong, so terribly wrong. And and the thing is that that then resulted in that 3am phone call, it didn't did. it? And yeah. we're talking, we watched it land live as well, didn't we? <laughs> my goodness it's gone and I'm like I'm looking at my banking app and it's like I've just been paid and it's just this sense of euphoria it was amazing even like the narrative we'd chosen in the bank when it lands how it's going to look it's like it's all there this is it and it was really proud moment and yeah and we we just felt so chuffed about it and 
it was it was a big milestone getting to that point. Yeah. Um, and that was it then. Once we'd done that, it was like this absolutely was worth it. And we're just on fire with it now. And we every month we just look at ways that we can just make it a bit smoother. I mean, at the moment we're training up the two staff that are involved with us to do a little more than they do already in terms of their level of responsibility, just as a bit of a succession plan, really. If Leisha or I were to be off unexpectedly, that they could step into our shoes and do the bits that we do independently at the moment. So there's always room for improvement. Um, but yeah, it's it's been great. It's been it's been quite amazing. Oh, it, it has so it's so rewarding, and it just comes with such a deep sense of satisfaction that we've just we're, we're making a difference, aren't yeah. we? And you know, and and we can never that that comparison to our previous payroll provider. You know, oh my gosh, like Tracy said earlier, five thousand pounds overpayment when we'd checked the report and we'd confirmed that it was all okay. And their system mm. had had created an error, you know, to to pay someone five thousand pounds over, just just yeah, awful. Exactly. And still, I'm picking issues now, and I'm and I'm sure that there are other schools out there that you know are, are experiencing the same issues. And I just think actually, you don't need to, you know, with a little bit of self confidence, backing from your board. And the kind of knowing where to kind of move this forward and having a good plan of action means that actually you don't have to accept what is happening at the moment. You know, there is you have got that control to change things and and what a positive way to do so. On this journey, have you come across anyone who's done this within a local authority setting? Because obviously I know you work for a mat and you've had kind of autonomy to be able to make that decision and the support of the board to just make it happen but a lot of people are in those local authority structures Mm -hmm. where they're they're bound to an SLA or a provider have you heard of anyone changing that um not to in-house I mean I know that lots of local authority schools can have changed their providers from what's deemed as the norm so obviously here in in Kent I know who the kind of go-to provider is for local authority schools People have started mm. kind of moving away from them and finding alternative um, payroll providers from that. So they are being a little bit braver than they perhaps would have been. But we have actually coincidentally just run a poll recently, haven't mm. we, about payroll just to see kind of out there who who does their own payroll. Um, and it was quite interesting because there's very few. I think it's about 10 percent of the of the people that answered ran their own payroll. And I hazard a guess that most of them are probably secondary or are certainly in academies, like you say, or a local authority. I think it's like anything with academies, really, that you always feel that you need that comfort blanket from your local authority. And we've certainly learned along the last three years, not just payroll, but a lot of the services that we felt that we had to get through our providers, our authority, actually there is better out there and it's just being brave enough to explore it and ask if you can. I've come from local authority schools myself and I don't think there's any restrictions on people moving away. Um, You need to have a robust reason, I guess, and you need to be sure that you're you're doing what we've done in terms of risk. But then you would do that regardless. And I think that, you know, I mean, I do remember when we spoke about it previously, this was when we were under a local authority um, maintains kind of situation that the person that we brought in to help us with our finances she her take on 
bringing it in the house was don't touch it with the barge pole you know and you mm. think actually that message is quite damaging because you think well it's making something appear so scary and so kind of out of reach but actually you know the alternative is is far more kind of positive isn't it as far as i'm aware there are no restrictions but it's just who you seek to support you in that process and i think that you have to align that those people before you take that leap so whether it is that you speak to an an external auditor or accountant whether you have um, mechanisms for support in terms of if you're not there, could you go to another a company? The risk, that kind isn't of, it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of always the risks, yeah, um, SWOT analysis that. really, and and going from there. But as far as I am concerned, there are no restrictions. I think it's just being brave enough because you do when you're in a local authority school, as I have myself been for a long time you do feel that you really are tied to your local authority in, in all of the services. And often it is a better option financially for you to be so. But I mean, for us, certainly the um, the cost of us buying their payroll through a local authority wasn't of, a, of any benefit in any of the schools I've been. It's ever so expensive. And, you know, the authority would have, would have been the ones making on that. Well, so it's is... kind of almost questionable in itself, really. Totally, because if you look back at your procurement podcast, Laura, you know, uh, mm. Lorraine said about the um, the frameworks and quite often the frameworks are set up in such a way that the beneficiary of those is actually the local the local authority. authority rather than the schools as the clients. And, yeah. you know, and, and I kind of I, I could relate very much mm. to that because we certainly have found along our journey, not just with payroll, but other endeavours that we've carried out that actually you know that's very much the case and you know and it's about being again being bold and being brave and and actually knowing that you have got the power to change things under the realms of you being a school business leader yeah it's interesting like you say people just hear the word payroll and go oh no like that, that person said to you, you know don't touch with a barge pole for all the, the reasons that you've said are benefits you know the staff engagement getting it right I suppose the ultimate fear is but what if it goes wrong? It's going to go disastrously wrong, isn't it? And I think that's where you've talked about this process and the assurances and the training and the support that you can access to mm. make it less scary. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think having auditors, you know, that is that proper kind of final um, rubber stamp almost, isn't it? it? Is. It's like, you yeah. know, that they're, they're not wanting to please you as the organisation. They want to scrutinize you within an inch of your life but it's their to, job isn't yeah, it exactly. to do so but they've actually been really supportive oh, we've and been, yeah and exactly that you know even at the beginning when we looked at the payroll implementation you know board, to have they? them on tap to ask advice but you know all of that and and the networks then that we formed along the way auditors can be quite scary I guess for some schools that don't have them in like academies do yeah. the idea of an auditor on site but actually until you go through that experience they are very supportive they are there for the right reasons you know we're all we're all here for the same reason really and we're trying to get the best out of of what we've got in terms of resources whether that be your budget whether that be your staff um and they if anything have really helped us um on our journey and we're very fortunate that as are always there to advise They'll always consider things that we propose. They'll always come back with reasons why and, and maybe you can't do. So we've been fortunate in that way. And 
certainly not been put off by the fact that we've got an auditor coming in we almost embrace it now oh, totally because we're like you to show, find yeah you come you come and find it's a bit of a challenge you come and find something that you're not happy with and at the worst mm-hmm. it's going to be a recommendation which we'll take on the chin and we'll deal with so it's actually a really nice thing to have for us now and I know that not everybody will probably relate to that um, but certainly for, for us, it has been. And, and we've, we've just been fortunate, I guess, to have the right type of auditors. Yeah. The company we use have been really great. Um, but there are lots of avenues of support. There are so many, you know, you've only got to sort of go on to LinkedIn and those sorts of places. And Twitter. Twitter yeah, Twitter. the biggest thing that we've you know, opened, yeah. opened our world up completely, yeah. hasn't it? <laughs> Makes you realise how, you know, with the position of a school business leader can be quite isolated, can't it? You know, and actually when you you put yourself out there and you seek that information from people and advice, you know, there's actually so many that want to help and, you know, and assist. And and that's where we've been so fortunate along our journey. Hmm. I was going to actually ask that question because obviously you've got the benefit of having each other, you know, you've got two brains on the job. For a school business manager or a CFO or a COO in a multi-academy trust or even in a a local authority school, wherever, if someone's on their own and they're looking at this and they think, yes, this is the way forward, where are they best looking for that extra support, if if that makes sense? I think, I mean, we were advised at the beginning that you would always have more than one person involved in the payroll for obvious reasons. I mean, you'd need that level of authority and integrity, but equally the succession planning. So I guess you perhaps look at what you have in-house in terms of other staff members for the physical support that you'll need. But again, it's the collaboration. I mean, people really do want to, if someone's doing something well, they want to share. You know, yeah. we we do payroll well, we we know we do, and we want to share that with people. And, you know, and, and it's a case of, like Lisa said earlier, it's reaching out to people, finding out, you know, who's out there, who's done this, can they come in and advise, support? That's kind of the short-term plan, really, and getting yourselves up and running. But certainly long-term, you do need you do need a team, whether that's two people, three people, depending on the size of your function. Mm. It definitely wouldn't be something you would do on your own. You just can't, because of the level of authority, especially if you're in that payroll, we was advised, yeah. absolutely. It, it, there was a fine balance, wasn't there? We were advised not to have too many involved, but to have enough. I mean, we've got four. Four now, yeah. We've got four people now. We've got two two on more of the HR side. So Lisa leads on HR and then she's got her HR administrator. And then I lead on the finance side and I've just started upskilling one of the finance officers who can mm. step in. And I'd say for us with 184 would be absolutely enough. Wouldn't pull any more in. No. And you probably would struggle on much less than three I would say now yeah wouldn't we at the size we are so you do need a team it's not it's it's been it it runs smoothly yes but you couldn't do it on with one person so you would definitely need to consider what you have in terms of resources in school again you can build all of those um costings into your proposal yes you might be paying some more staff time but that's offset obviously against all the things that we've already spoken about spoken about earlier absolutely and the thing is you know we haven't got anyone that that is just their only role you know we've managed to fit it in 
you know, we're quite operational, aren't mm. we, in terms of our role? And um, and we've managed to slot it in absolutely fine. And equally, so of the members of staff that we have are kind of almost underpinning that service. So, mm. um, you know, it's not something where we've, uh, you know, created a particular position. It has been absorbed. And it's funny because it's had um, unintentional kind of positives, hasn't it, mm. in terms of, it's amazing how much you can create almost like a hamster wheel of work where you're just kind of going, 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 but actually kind of almost generating lots of work as you go along. But actually this has taken us to a point where we can take a step back. You can reflect and actually things then stop in the background. So it's almost like it paves the way to make it possible. It's it's just the way, way in which it works. Yeah. And it's been nice as well for the staff that we've got working in the payroll team with us because it's given them an opportunity to learn something new. There's been a slight shift around in people's responsibilities. They sort of come from an admin background and they are still covering some of that function there's been very small tweaks to that to bring them on board but like Lisa says nobody solely does payroll in our trust I still do all the financial um I've still covered all the financial responsibilities that's expected of me as does Lisa um and so do the the team within within that so it's all it's all possible you just need to have the right systems um you need to have your procedures really clear make sure that every month, you know, you're checking and tweaking and getting it to the point probably took us a good, I'd say 18 months before Mm. our procedures were not being tweaked all the time, because you run something through and then you go, actually, no, we're going to do it like that now. And it's a work in progress. And then, you know, when the auditors come along and they say, can we see your procedures? That's obviously what they're checking is that you're doing what you're saying you're Mm. doing. Um, And again, you know, that's an opportunity for review. Um, but I don't think you'd ever stop trying to improve it. That's not to say that it's not working well, but I think as we've moved from paper to paperless and at some point we'll probably upgrade our software, there's certain things that doesn't do as well as we would like. And in hindsight now, you know, that that, that improvement would probably give us more efficiencies. But it's like anything when you're looking for new software, it's that in itself is a new is a, a new job. So we're kind of finding yeah. our time with that because again we've got to implement that at the right time with with the payroll year so yeah yeah and and as our kind of amazing leader says getting better never stops and that's kind of the journey that we're on that mm. kind of con- continual pursuit of excellence and trying to kind of do the very best job that we can and I I well we just know that we, there's so many kind of like-minded school business leaders out there that want the same for their their teams that they work with. And, and it's really quite empowering, isn't mm. it? I'm sure you said within that, if people needed support or advice or they were feeling alone with it and wanted to have a chat through, you would be happy to do that. Oh, goodness me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I have to say, we're just about to do that, aren't we? With another, um, trust. Yeah, another yeah. trust. Um, we've got a meeting in June actually to discuss our journey and look to support them during theirs so um absolutely we would love to to hear from others who are considering that journey I just wanted to make that explicit because I thought I heard you say it and I thought I'm going to make it explicit if anyone's listening going did they say that and I'm absolutely yes (laughs) we would love to because it's yeah and that's how we've got where we are is by people supporting us and helping us and just learn so much as a result whether you're helping someone or someone's helping you 
it really has a, a two-way positive impact. So, yeah, we, we would love that. We would love that. We would. And we might learn something from other people as well, things that we've not thought about and, you know. Or if, considered, because that happens, doesn't yeah. it? And if anyone's doing payroll themselves already and they've got any great tips and things. Yeah, please share. Share please away. Share with us as well, because <laughs> you never know it all. No. Never know it all. Good pe- good having an way. in-house payroll revolution. Absolutely. Exactly. That's it. We're paving the way. We this are is, paving this the is way. It. <laughs> yes, definitely. So before we finish, have you got any final points or any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? Okay, so I would say must-haves before considering. So a mm-hmm. board of trustees and a leadership team who are 100% behind you a payroll system in place that you have full training in how to use, a source for pay comparison so you're not fully reliant on your payroll software as issues happen, a full risk analysis based on your individual circumstances. You know, for us, we even went as far as um, having a Gantt chart, which was just fantastic. And also, uh, the main thing is, is to kind of run a mini procurement project to make sure that actually that decision is the right decision for you as a school or or trust and then look at your timeline in in terms of that and just be realistic you know um and and look at what you can and and can't do within your kind of current context yeah definitely Mm. it's that take the extra time don't try and if you are going to go down this route um after you've considered all the things lisa's just talked about just make sure that you give yourself enough time because if it if it is going to become stressful and if it is going to become more difficult, it will be because you've not left yourself enough time. If yeah. you're thinking about doing it for the next financial year, now's the time to consider that. If you get to kind of December and you haven't made a decision, then I would wait. Um, yeah. Definitely, because the other complication of going outside of the um, April, it's, it's not really a complication, but it's an added job, really, is you've got people's brought forward balances for in ha- in 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 years. So you'll have NI to date and pension to date. We didn't have to deal with any of that because we mm. started on the 5th of April, I guess, 6th of April, because you're starting a new tax year. So that's a real big one. You can just take out of the equation by just making sure you start at the beginning of the tax year be my top tip yeah absolutely that was key actually wasn't it to our success I believe yeah and of course ask for support so so reach out and get that network up and running before you do any of this yeah fact finding find out who you've got on your side who's going to be there meet collaborate we can do so much by teams nowadays as well can't we so Mm. you know just just talk to people and like we've already said we'd we'd be more than happy to share what we've done with anybody that's even just having a, a think about it um, and wants to put some data together and some ideas, then feel free to get in touch. So as we wrap up then, where can people find you? So if they have any questions, they want to talk through anything, where can they get hold of you? So um, we're on Twitter. Um, so uh, School Biz Leaders is our kind of Twitter handle. Um, and we also have our own website. So we are um, schoolbusinessleaders.com. And um, yeah, that's kind of our launch pad, I guess. Yeah. What else do you have on your website? 
we try and put something on twice a week, don't we? And mm -hmm. just whatever is current, you know, tips and advice, things that we've experienced, opportunities for collaboration, networking. So yeah, have a have have a look and um, see what you think. Um, that'd be great. And of course, the founders on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, Twitter is just, well, it's Twitter and LinkedIn. They're just yeah. our absolute Bibles. And I think that, you know, there's always something being discussed that there you can is. bring in, you know, and, and use for yourself. And it's such a wealth of information. There is. There's a real school business leadership community out there, actually. We've got quite a lot of connections now, as I'm sure, Laura, you do have. And there's, it's quite a lonely field sometimes, I think, school business leadership. But you realise there's a community of you out there and you just, everybody just wants to share and, and network. It's really quite lovely. Oh, totally. And mm. especially when you're dealing with the same issues and it's so refreshing in terms of even just your personal well-being to know that you're not alone in dealing with a, a tricky situation. Mm. And quite often it's it's a lovely outlet, isn't it? Um, yeah, definitely. You know, an, an area of, of support. It's great. Thank you so much for joining me and talking about this it's been like I say, an interesting journey that you've been on an amazing one and I, I can tell how much pride you take in it and I hope that you've inspired other people to like say accept nothing less than an outstanding service thank you Laura for the opportunity yeah. to share our journey as well absolutely thank you <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I did Lisa and Tracy are super passionate and of course super proud of what they have achieved for their payroll service and deservedly so and I know they'd love to hear from you if you are looking at following in their in-house footsteps. To get in touch with Lisa and Tracy, you can find their details in the show notes on my website at www.ljbusinessofeducation.co.uk. If you listen to today's episode and you're on social media, let me know what you think. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the same name at Laura LJ Business. And if you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device and you like what you've heard, it would be great if you could rate and review the show as it makes it easier for others to find it. You can rate and review the show by clicking on the show in the Apple Podcast app, scrolling to the bottom and either tapping the stars to rate and or selecting write a review. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.